So happy Mother's Day. We hope that all of you women, whether you are technically a mom or not, you feel loved and welcomed and honored today. We take this very seriously. I want to show you a photo of my two favorite moms. This is a picture of my mother, Jenna, and my wife, Hillary, as Hillary applies some makeup to her uh, at some kind of event. I don't remember what that was before, but there they are, and uh, we, we are going to honor, we'll continue to honor in these next few minutes, and on the patio, we will see that we are making a big deal out of you moms, but I thought as we get this thing going this morning, we needed to have a moment of just kind of honesty and reflection. We're in the middle of a series, after all, called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, so we're going to do the top five things that I wish mom never said, okay? <laughs> Feel free to play along. You can vote with applause. Uh, this is from a small sample of the people in my office. So these are the things that we decided were the top five things we wish mom never said, starting with number five, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> Now, that was affirmed by two people in the office. One of them said that their mom used this regularly. I won't tell you who, Jairus. Um, number four, eat your vegetables. We get that. That's kind of a throwaway. I know. Number three, put on clean underwear. Now, I still don't understand this because my mom would actually ask me when I left the house as a teenager if I was wearing clean underwear, which felt like none of her business, frankly, at that time. But also, it was confusing because she would say, if you get into an accident, you want to be wearing clean underwear, which doesn't make any sense. If I'm in an accident, I assure you my underwear is no longer clean. <laughs> Top five things you wish mom never said. Number two, wait until your dad gets home. And the number one thing you wish your mom never said, because I said so. We love you moms. Moms teach us so much about life. You show us so much about life. You teach us to have a sense of ourselves. Dads teach us to have a sense of the world, but moms, you teach us to have a sense of ourselves, and we are so grateful. You are fierce. You are courageous. You are passionate. You are strong, but you're also gentle. You are amazing, and we honor you. And gentlemen, if we're honest, we know that wives are tougher than we are. And we know that, that our women around us are incredibly strong and deserve so much credit. Consider the fact that women, the ones that God allows to have children, uh, they actually have a human being growing inside of their bodies. You realize that, right? Like growing inside them. And there are 55, 55 elaborate functions and miracles that have to take place, 55 different processes that need to happen in a woman's body for them to be able to grow a child inside of them. It's a miracle 55 times over before you even see anything. It's crazy. And then they are asked to push with all the strength within them, that human baby out of a very small place that seems like a God practical joke. 
And then the doctor takes this little child that's just been brought into this world who looks purple, and he, the doctor just kind of flings the kid around, but then puts it on your chest so delicately and says, good luck. <laughs> you are responsible for keeping this thing alive and healthy for the next 18, some of you 28 years. <laughs> And then while, while the poor woman's body is trying to heal itself, and it never quite does, but while it's trying to, all of a sudden you realize that now other parts of your body are liquid food dispensers. <laughs> it just keeps coming, right? I mean, it's just this crazy, crazy thing. And yet... It's not fair, it's not fair, ladies, that when you are bringing your two or three or four children onto an airplane and you're coming down the aisle, that everyone is thinking to themselves, what, God, no, please, no, not, no, not here. <laughs> and they're putting, their, they're putting their backpacks and purses on the seats and they're coughing, <laughs> I'm really sick, so that you don't sit anywhere near them. But when I or a guy brings two kids onto a plane, they don't want us to sit next to them, but they go, aww, look at that dad being a dad. Isn't that great? And wherever, wherever I go and sit, they come and check on me during the flight. Do you have everything that you, I have some extra apple juice. Oh, how cute. It's not fair. It's not fair. Guys are celebrated for parenting. Women are evaluated in their parenting. There's judging going on. Like, oh, are you going to let them wear that and no socks? And they eat that? So it's not fair. And ladies, we are sorry and we commend you. God shows himself to be both father and mother. Repeatedly in scripture, he's referred to as father and father and father, and yet he is every bit as much mother. The mothering traits and characteristics that we see exhibited by moms and women in our life are every bit as much who God is. And so thank you for showing us that reflection of God. It is a big deal. And yet, in this series called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, we need to talk about one crazy statement that Jesus made, even though it is Mother's Day. And here is the statement. When taken out of context, it, it can be used and has been used for people to do some unbelievable things, isolating themselves, writing people off, treating people poorly, and it's not what Jesus had in mind. So let me read this sometimes confusing and controversial statement to you, and then we'll try to make sense of it. From Luke chapter 14, verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Thank you, Caleb, very much for reading us that verse on Mother's Day. We appreciate that. It's very important, actually, because do you think that Jesus literally means that you should hate your mom and dad? No, he does not mean that. It's not what he means. In fact, all throughout scripture, he elevates the role of father, mother, family to a very high place. And the, one of the top 10, the 10 commandments in Exodus 20 it says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord is giving you. And Jesus 
years later, affirms that commandment when he says, you shall not murder. This is, this is some of the other top 10. You shall not commit adultery or steal or give false testimony and honor your father and mother. Jesus himself affirms that commandment and says, do it. Lift them up. Honor them. Jesus is a big fan of moms and dads, even when he went to the cross and he hung on a cross with these big nail things in his arms and in his feet, these stake-like nails, and he couldn't do much while he hung there, he still did a couple of things. There were convicted criminals hanging on either side of him, bad dudes, and to one of them he turns, who's having like a, a moment of clarity and a change of heart, and he says, hey dude, you will be with me in paradise today, which was a big deal. People must have been blown away that Jesus would make such a statement to such a man. But then he did something else really interesting too. He looks and he sees his mom in the crowd hanging from that cross. By the way, when those crosses are portrayed, they're usually on hills, right, overlooking things, and they're up high. That wasn't the case. The cross and where Jesus was hung was literally only two or three feet off the ground. So he was up close and personal, and he's looking at his mom and at one of his closest friends, and he says this, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now, that means that Jesus had taken care of his mom up until that point. And that means that this disciple was committing to take care of Jesus' mom like he saw Jesus do. And he took her into his home. And he cared for her because there was no question, no doubt that Jesus loved his mom. He practically had mom tattooed on his <laughs> bicep. He took care of his mom. And from the cross, in one of his final acts, final words, he says, friend, take care of my mom just like I would. So Jesus is not telling you to hate your family members. Instead, he's making a point. If you were there 2,000 years ago and you had a Hebrew mindset and you're listening to Jesus say what he said, you would not have been confused. You would not have thought he was speaking literally. You would have understood that the word hate was hyperbole and he was exaggerating the point to make people see how much he wanted them to love God. It was for the purpose of making a very strong point. You see that even more clearly when you understand the context of the story. So right before Jesus says this controversial statement about hate, he was in the home of a prominent Pharisee, the Bible says. And Pharisees did not like Jesus. They were always trying to trip him up. They were always trying to make him look bad. And so Jesus is in one of their homes, and there's a guy there who has all these swelling issues. He's not well, and Jesus reaches out his hand and heals the man. The only problem was he did it on the Sabbath day when the Pharisees believed you were supposed to do no work. And so they associated healing a man with work, and they didn't like that Jesus had just done it. 
Jesus is like, you guys are so missing the point here. You love your rules and your regulations and you don't love people and you don't love me and I'm God in skin. You're, you're missing it. You're missing it. And then he launches into a parable. He says, there was a man who threw a banquet, think big party, who had a massive party. And the people, he sent out this formal invitation to all these people. But when they got the invitation, they said, oh, you know what? I can't make it. I have businesses really heating up and I'm in this 80 hour a week gig and I just have to keep plowing through. And Maybe some other time, thanks anyway, Jesus. Or we just bought this vacation home and certainly we got to fill it with furniture and being good stewards of the vacation home, we probably need to spend X number of weeks there. So I'm not going to be in town. I'm sorry. I, I can't participate with you. I can't be a part of your party. And so because all the invited guests turned the man down, the man said, okay, now go out in the streets and just invite everybody that you see. We'll, we'll fill this house with people that otherwise maybe wouldn't have been invited. In, in this context, he says, the lame, the blind, the crippled, I want you to bring them all in. People in the streets who have seemingly no purpose, let them know that they're invited. So tons of people file into this house, but there's still room. And the man says, there's still room in my house. I want this house full. Go invite more. That's the context that Jesus is saying. He's saying to these religious leaders, you're missing the point. You love other things too much. And you're missing out on the party that I am throwing for humanity. What you see here then Jesus says, hate your mom and your dad and your family. And then he launches into this. We'll read this together. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For you lay the foundation, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is getting at is that his kingdom, that to, to follow him, is both a party and a project. It's a party, and it's a good time, and there's stuff to do. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to persevere unless you sit down and think, wait a minute, are there other things that I love more than this God? Because it won't always just be good times. There will be some hard things, and sacrifice is required. And so he's saying, pause, consider for a moment, what are the things that maybe you love a little bit too much? I don't really want you to hate your family members. I want you to love them and elevate them. But compared to how much you love me and are committed to me, the love that you have for them will seem smaller. He's making a point. He's saying, count the cost. These religious guys they're saying that they value other things more and they didn't even want to come to the party. What about you? What do you say? Do you want to be a part 
of this. Those of you that have been around here for a while, you've heard me refer to the three years that Hillary and I lived up in Washington. Hillary's mom got uh, pancreatic cancer and got sick. She passed away. We moved up there and took care of her mom, and then we stayed there for three more years. And I kind of floundered a little bit trying to figure out what to do for work and what God wanted for me up there. And we realized after three years that maybe God was moving us, leading us, prompting us to come back, to move to Southern California. But that was what a huge sacrifice that would be for Hillary if she said yes to that. And as she wrestled with it and she thought about her whole, like, hundred Croatian relatives that live in Gig Harbor, Washington, and saying goodbye to them, and her grandparents that had just lost their daughter, Hillary's mom, she thought, man, that would be costly if we decide to move down here, if God, if you're really saying to make this move. And so I still remember the morning she went and she sat with her grandma, Pat, her grandma Pat is like 86, 87 years old. We FaceTimed her this morning. Uh, even though she's really old, she can still FaceTime. <laughs> she's still on Facebook if you want to check her out. <laughs> she's amazing. But Hillary went and she sat with Grandma Pat. And when other people had left the room and it was just her and Grandma Pat for a moment, she said, Grandma, I'm feeling like maybe... Maybe, is, maybe God is whispering and directing and things are happening such that, that Caleb and I are supposed to move and go back down to Southern California where Caleb is from. What do you think, Grandma? And without missing a beat, Grandma Pat said, oh, you have to do it, honey. You have to go with your husband and you have to go with your heart if you feel like God is in this. There is a cost. You're not going to be able to walk down the street and see grandma and grandpa in their late 80s. You're not going to be able to do. But if this is what you think God is whispering to you and saying, to you, you got to do it. You got to love him more. There's a woman in our church, a young woman who's going through Rooted right now. Rooted is our 12 or our 10 week experience. If you haven't done that yet, you need to next time. It's awesome. And uh, she's in a group newer to our church, and she also needed a job. And this past week, she was offered a job. And so the group was excited when she said, I was offered a job this week. And they're like, oh, great, congratulations. And she says, well, uh, I was excited too until they told me that I would have to work evenings. And I would have to miss this group and not be able to continue in the rooted process with you all. And they were like, oh, man. And she goes, no, it's okay. I turned the job down. Because I need a job, but I need this more, she said. I realized that I need this more and that this is what God is whispering to me and that he has brought me here and I need to say yes to him first and trust that he'll take care of the other stuff. Jesus isn't telling you to hate people, really. He's telling you just to love him and trust him so much that everything else seems smaller. His point is priority, to make him the priority, to realize, in fact, that he is the source He's the source of every good thing that you have. He's the source of every loving relationship in your life. And that love comes ultimately from 
him. Our other relationships, father, mother, sister, brother, they're just shadows of his perfect love in an imperfect human form. He is the source. He is the origin. He's the one who keeps this whole thing turning. He's the one who orchestrated for you to be here this morning and hear those words. He isn't being a jerk. He's trying to get people's attention and get them to see you're missing the point. You love all this other stuff too much and you're missing out on the adventure of following me and trusting me with everything. By the way, I've given you everything that you have, some of which you're holding on to far too tightly. So if you're following along in your outline, there's one fill-in and this is it. When loving God is the priority, loving others is possible. When you realize that God is the source of love and everything else, you willingly surrender things because you realize it's all his to begin with. And then if you try to love other people just on your own, you're going to run out because he's the source. It's understanding his love for you and his love for them that makes it possible. In fact, there's this famous verse in 1 John that says, we love because he first loved us. It's his fuel that inspires us, that compels us, and that even enables us to love in the first place. We love him more than we love everything else because he has given us everything else. And when he asks us to do something, when he asks us to make a move, when he asks us to trust him in some new way or to let go of something or someone or do something, it's just this automatic no-brainer. Yes, I will. You've given me everything I have anyway. Of course, I love you most because you're the source of love to begin with. And here's the thing. Don't miss this. Gentlemen, I know I'm saying the word love a lot. It's Mother's Day after all. And I, but I don't want you to miss this. The reason why God says to love him more than anything else is because that's how much he loves you. He loves you. Remember, this is Jesus saying these words and telling these stories. God in flesh, come as a human to die and sacrifice himself for you. And he's saying, you don't get it. Don't love these other lesser things more than me. I am love. And look at me here. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm sacrificing everything to have a relationship with you. That's why you love. It's the biggest no-brainer. I'm not telling you really to hate these people. I'm saying that when you love me that much, The other love seems small, but that's the only way to receive the love that you need to love these other people with. He is the origin of mother and father and sister and brother and every relationship that you have. He is the source. And he loves you even more, if you can believe it, than your mom. Moms, We want to honor you today. We want you to know how grateful we are that you are a reflection of God to us. We want you to feel appreciated as you are the ones who prepare us 
And then you launch us out into the world and you point us in the direction of our creator God and you say, go, he's got great things for you. He's got plans for you. Go and follow him into the adventure of your life and know that I'll always have your back. You do that for us moms. We love you and we are so grateful for you. I want to ask Hillary to come up here. On this day that we have set aside to honor our moms, I had asked Hillary, we put together this blessing and I was going to read a line and she was going to read a line and then she woke up this morning with zero voice. And so Hillary's just going to stand here and look beautiful and agree with everything I'm saying like usual. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But I will be reading this, Hillary will be agreeing and we will be just saying these blessings over you women that are here with us today. For the late and sleepless nights, we thank you for your patience. For helping us with homework, fevers, and chicken pox, we thank you for your care. For your believing in us, we are grateful. We can't thank you enough. To those who brought their first child into the world this year, we celebrate with you. To those who have lost a child, we mourn with you. May God give you peace. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, wearing the badge of food stains on your clothes, we think you're heroic. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, full of tears and disappointment, may God be with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. We value your commitment to care and to fill in those gaps. To those who experience the heartache, distance, or tension in your family now, may God bring you peace. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who step-parent, may God provide you with strength and wisdom. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, may God fill your heart with hope and confidence in him. To those who are exhausted, overwhelmed, and in need of support, may you sense God's strength and energy in this season. To those who have chosen to end a pregnancy, we grieve with you. We want to come alongside you and help you know that you are loved. To those who are single and hoping for a family, may you know God is with you now. To the single mothers carrying the world on your shoulders, may God lighten your load and honor your endless effort. To those who will have emptier nests in the coming year, may you see that God is calling you to new adventures. And to those who are pregnant with new life, we anticipate with you and we hope our church can walk with you. If you are a woman, would you please stand up? We want to pray a blessing over you right now. Men, you'll have your day (laughs) in just a few weeks, but this is for the women. 
But I want to invite you, man, if you will just extend a hand in the direction of women that are close to you, as if simply to say, I agree with this, I'm in, I affirm this, I want this blessing for these women as well. This Mother's Day, we celebrate all the women in our midst. We cannot thank you enough. So to all of our mothers, all of our women, we say thank you. And may God bless you and cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace, knowing that you are making a difference. And we are grateful. Amen.